Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the programme that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan, and today we're talking about how schools are adapting wellbeing models to suit their context. Wellbeing models make it easier to talk about wellbeing with other people, but it's important that the language and the concepts make sense to the people involved. My guest today is Stephen Eames, Deputy Principal from Raroa School in Wellington, New Zealand. Raroa School wanted a wellbeing model that made sense to their community and reflected the school's values. In the last episode, we spoke about how Raroa's staff explored quite a number of existing wellbeing models before deciding that they would create a book to share their wellbeing approach. Stephen Eames was one of the leaders of this project, and he's here today to talk about the process of writing and illustrating Raroa's unique wellbeing model and book. Kia ora, Stephen. We're delighted to have you with us. Welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Kia ora, Denise. Can you tell us a little bit about the Raroa book and how that came into being and the process to create it? I think a lot of schools, you know, they, they, they understand inquiry and, the, and their students are continuing going for inquiries and they, they, the teachers work hard to get the, the, te- the students curious and inquisitive and, and go through an inquiry more. We, we work through, quite a lot of our teachers work through a design approach. We've worked with various educators from around the world to to implement an understanding of what design thinking. It's, something, it's, it's one of my other passion areas as well. So part of the process for teachers is why wouldn't we go through the approach that we put our students up, you know, through when it comes to developing something? We're strengthening student, the teacher's understanding of the design process. But when you, when, you, when you design something, you're designing experience or you're designing a product. Now, the main thing is, is that when you've, when you've take, got this learning, it's really important to implement it into something practical so that you're embedding it. So the process of design thinking is about taking this knowledge and we create this model. And this model could have, could have become something that sat on the wall beside our, um, our principles of behaviour and our fundamentals of principles of fundamentals of learning. It could have sat down beside, but we wanted something a little more, a bit more than that. We wanted to embed this, create greater understanding. And also, so we worked through a design process. So if all those indicators and all those um, things I talk about, those, for instance, health and activity and learning and engagement, um, we developed what they looked like and then implemented it into a picture box so that pictures would represent um, particular aspects of the model. So you could see it visually. What does it look like? Um, and through a, um, an authentic design process, you are changing, you're adapting, you're like adjusting. The pictures didn't suit. So... Um, so through that learning and discussion, you're continually developing, you're debating, you're, you're like, uh, so one thing may work for one person and not work for the other. So, they, you know, personal connections come out. Now, we, we, uh, students were drawing what, t- uh, what they believe a, uh, um, a healthy teacher was, and teachers were drawing. I've got a couple of drawings from teachers of what they believe in. So lots and lots of discussion and debate. So, so hang on, but I'm just, it's like this sounds, this sounds outrageous and fantastic. So... So you decided that the way to put the well-being model to make it live was to create a book, um, a picture book, and you got teachers and staff drawing the pictures. 
So we got some some students during the pitches. I had a little team of illustrators, and they drew and they talked, and they about and we had a little discussion about what a help teacher, which was hugely fascinating. Um, and then the teachers were due to uh, not many, many, because I think teachers are a bit nervous about drawing pictures of teachers. And they even say, "I'll yeah. do you a draft." Yeah, do a Yeah, they know how to do things, and they had a little discussion. But the main thing is, as pictures got developed, and we, you know, we got a, a, an illustrator on board, um, a poor illustrator. Um, because would come up with a picture and I said, no, that needs to be changed, needs to be this. And, and she started developing and, and, um, these, these illustrations. Um, so, for instance, for the learning engagement, we've created this character, and the character is called Miss Wellington, um, being from Wellington, and um, that's, that's the name that was started and stuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we didn't want a, a flowery sort of like name. We didn't want something like something like Miss Bubbles or Miss, Miss Happy yeah. Happy. And so, so Miss Wellington stuck, and um, Miss Wellington for is, is learning the guitar, and, and she's making healthy choices, and she's celebrating diversity, and she's the character that's representing. She's just a metaphor for some of these products. But for instance, it started off with her learning engagement. She might have been learning something from a book, and the picture started off the draft of the book, and then now she's she's playing a guitar because when we it came up in discussion. Oh, you know, music um, increases endorphins, and it's important that there's music. So they're learning new things needs to have in music and. Or different different little pieces of knowledge started influencing what the pictures look like. Um, the the exercise one, the active, keeping active, was really interesting because it you know the, the instant images that came up, particularly with the student group, is Miss Burns needs to be running, needs to be jogging, and it became um, the yoga meditation move, the downward facing dog, and um, because. It was less intimidating, and it was less effort, and and and, and teachers could 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 think. And uh, exercise doesn't need to be something too full on; it just needs to be um, regular. And also the links to um, meditation, when that, that yoga has. So all these little pieces shaped the model and shaped the picture book. And um and the picture book has this little very very simple storyline about her making relationships, etc. But it's it's a fun process. How did you go about it? Like, did students get to talk about the illustrations in class or how were they told what they were part of? Talk us through that a little. We have very few students in this. This is the, this is the well, model for the teachers. So the teachers, we, we, we lay illustrations in front of them. We, we started off with, uh, with illustrations from like an online website I, um, that you can just pick, create the words and play. And, and, and basically what it was is, is, is a first cartoon version and then teachers pulled that a bit and said uh, that the character's not really so it was too quirky or stuff and then it was a case of oh you know this doesn't quite match and this this and just lots of every time it was implemented in a staff room there was scribbles and there was changes yeah. and that's, this, this was continually alongside the model so the, the model has the bullet points on it and the model the pictures are responding to the model so it's just a crazy crazy process of just making it real but um so and teachers, teachers would email me. I said, "Here's another picture," and they'd say, "No, that's not right." I think um, the one came, um, one of the pictures that changed at the last moment um, was the one around relationships, um, and the relationships was, was a very ha- happy, um, happy couple, um, and that developed because of different viewpoints on what a relationship should look like, and it became Miss um, Wellington with her grandmother, Nguya, and and. And people could m- felt a little bit more comfortable when they're playing chess. So if you look at the book, it actually changed the idea of like a, that's something that more people it can cover, more people can relate to the connection that we need with um, with our um, grandparents. Mm. Nice.
And how, how did the students respond to it? When you, when you were asking, when the students were drawing, what were, what were they kind of saying about it? So the students, was, it was quite interesting because the students, um, it, what, it, what it showed me, I worked with that particular group, the students showed that they didn't know what well-being was. <laughs> That's for a start. Yeah, yeah. Their, their, their go-to for a, for a, um, a healthy-looking teacher, their go-to was they eat well and they're fit. And that's about the extent of it. So it was a real a bit of a message for us in regards to the implementation because, the, as I said, I'm just working with that, that, the teachers and developing this model, but I wanted a bit of student voice and everything. But it really was a little bit of a, um, a wake-up call to the students' understanding or lack of understanding what well-being is. If that's what they're looking for and well-being is looking for, that and eats an apple, you know? So there's so much more. Yeah, and that's, but that's completely consistent with what most adults know. Like in the research that Lucy Hone has done, looking at people's prototypical models of well-being, most people get that we need to eat, sleep, and be active. But this yeah. whole psychological meaning and purpose bit, we, we need some more. Edu- I guess it just vindicated the fact that you definitely need more. We need more education on it. Oh, I totally agree. And I think the, the, the students are now, now that they're learning and they're learning um, actual actions that go alongside a particular model or the model that we've got. Now, we're in early stages of developing it with our students, but our students are starting to understand specific actions that will help them. And it's not always framed as well-being as such or healthy. So I think that's one of our next learning curves so that they understand they can link it to their own personal health especially that thing like meaning and purpose. Um, you know, it's, it's so important for, for, for the students and, and just them celebrating who they are in their strength. You know, that, those sort of things, they fit into our model, but it's not explicitly linked to their health and well-being. So that's something that we need to sort of um, work on this year. So in terms of how the model has been accepted by staff and when, kind of what your plans are for students and community, tell us a bit about that. Um, so the model is, is, is like we've just, you know, we've, it's in the staff room, it's been read, it's been, it, it was uh, presented at um, the, our Teachers Only Day. Um, and I think that, that, you know, they've worked through it. So, you know, it, it can be a booklet that's just put, put, put aside and said, oh, yeah, no, so we've done that. But no, we're looking, we're continually looking at ways in which we can you know, revisit it. Um, the reflection process that we've put in place, the little IWP that we talked about, needs to continue look at those actions, look at what we're doing. It needs to, it needs to become something that is ingrained into our life so that it's a case of, oh, I'm going to use that booklet just to remind myself. So when I do that questionnaire, I can just have another flip through. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it was delivered at the beginning of this year, and just, just really embedding it um, is, is a, it's quite a tricky process. Um, but teachers are finding that they are making these conscious choices around their well-being. Nice. It sounds like you've got a lot of acceptance and ownership. Is that the case? You know, by the staff? I believe so. I I think the the, the positive buzz and the conscious effort around improving their own well-being um, is having significant results. Um, The indicators for success there is um, on numerous occasions, um, teachers from other schools or visitors to the school or or visitors to our uh, the high school that our students have come in and have acknowledged the vibrance, the, the welcoming staff room and the way that people are interacting. We just had our big uh, 
year six parent evening for our new income and all our teachers are there. Often it's just our leadership team and our, and our team leaders. All our teachers are there and they're creating part of that engagement brand. They're all creating the, the sense that it's a good place to be um, and at the heart of that is our teachers. Nice, nice. And so, you know, you're quite far down the path now of, you know, you've got this model, you've, you've, you've adapted it, made it your own for staff, and you're starting to think about rolling it out and how that's going to adapt for students. But what advice would you give to other schools who are just thinking about choosing a wellbeing model for their school? Um, I think the biggest advice is, is what worked for us is that developing that understanding first as a leadership team, understanding what you're actually implementing. Um, because I think, as we talked before, though, that I was one of those people that didn't really understand what well-being looked like in its entirety. Um, and so um, I, I, um, I positively reflect and I do a lot of the things in that model which were like, ah, but there was little reminders and I thought it was hugely interesting to learn about positive psychology. So first, understanding what it is. And um, the next thing that's so important is that um, involve the teachers in that process. Involve the teachers in a, in a chance to inquire into what well-being looks like, what positive education looks like. Uh, so that they can make, when they're making... Um, choices or when they are actually putting something together they are drawing on scientific research or they're drawing on information that is relevant to the pursuit of developing well-being in their schools. Nice thank you. Now just in terms of going a little broader and thinking about um, more generally about well-being change in a school environment what do you think has has helped or again you know in terms of advice that you would pass on to other schools what's helped you build buy-in for well-being change and the well this kind of process at Raroa? I think drawing on multiple sources I think um, uh, having for instance having yourself come in and talk to staff is very valuable um, having a chance to share and discuss and talk about themselves yeah. um, I think the LIWP the individual well-being plan and actually linking parts of that model to themselves I think that has um, those those are some of the, the, the key aspects mm. um, and do you think also the fact that fairly from fairly early on um, having a well-being plan for your staff and getting staff to reflect on that and be in dialogue or conversation with the leadership about their well-being that sends a very powerful message too doesn't it I think absolutely, and it's a very hard balance to get. You know, when mm. when we first sent out, you know, when you're entering dialogue, many surveys out there, many many um, surveys that are framed as well-being, um, put the the lens on the, the the senior leadership team to critique them, um, and there is. You know, we do want feedback in regards to um, what we can get right and our next step and how we can support our teachers. There is a place for that, but. What we found is that having uh, um, the uh, well-being questionnaire, we call it, we changed it from the survey, which removed a lot of the um, critiquing on environment to actually looking at themselves, um, but also creating a few. We could look at trends and patterns within it so that we can help us out. But that was, that was quite crucial um, for, our, for our teachers, I think. And I'm hearing a real sense of, 
you know, there's words like co-creation and inquiry and learning together and exploring and applying models of things like design thinking. Um, It doesn't sound like it's been uh, a didactic, top-down, this is the way it is. No, absolutely not. I think that's where we'd fall over. I think that's yeah. where you'd start getting result. You know, you'd do, you'd do surveys and you'd go and they'd, um, and they won't really get a full understanding. So um, it has been a shared process. But, and I think as teachers we are, and as educators, we like to know learning. You know, that's one thing, it's our strength area is about is, is learning and education. So when we go through a process like this, we need to do processes that, that um, are uh, in correlation of what we're delivering with students. It's what we know best. It's about how we're delivering learning um, and we're learning together. We're learning collaboratively and we're being um, and we're, we're thinking and we're solving in complex problems. And that's what you're doing as part of a design process or an inquiry. You know, that's, it's all, uh, it's, teachers already know that. We don't need to try and, and go, okay, now we're going to be doing some learning. Teachers want to learn, you know, and teachers know how to deliver learning. So it was in itself a big inquiry. So you, you've kind of answered my next two questions, which were around how do people adapt to wellbeing change and how do they cope with the kind of sandpit phase of trial and error? And what you've just described to me is is kind of using yourself as your own experiment or learning process and applying all the good pedagogy that you would use with students to yourselves. Not me. That makes absolutely sense, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's lovely. So that so that there's a sense of this is the stuff we know and value. These are processes that we respect and use. So we're going to use them for ourselves. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And and the thing about well being is when you start exploring it it becomes very personal and it becomes very a purposeful investigation. Yeah. It's, you don't need to sell the fact that, okay, we're going to be learning about wellbeing. The moment you start breaking it down, everybody seems to have a vested interest in actually developing their own wellbeing. There's instant buy-in. They, mm-hmm. they can see the results of it for themselves. Like often, like even for me, who has a um, six-year-old and a nine-year-old, I suddenly see things that I can do better in my own life and how I can connect with them and my partner. So, mm-hmm. so there's always this instant, there's instant buy-in and instant, okay, I'm vested interest in creating this. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we can also see um, dividends when it comes to our students. The, the, the changing needs and the, develop, and, and the complexities that I talked about earlier um, are all very, like, they're... they're Teachers are very aware of them, and they all they know that it's a, there it is a challenging workplace. So, by developing a well-being model, they can see it helping and giving them a toolkit to help their kids. So, um, often we talk about in design thinking, it's developing that empathy, developing that empathy with a project or an inquiry. It's the first steps. Now, that was very easy. Developing empathy for something like well-being is just like wow, we, we connect. It's us. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody finds their little piece of the puzzle, the puzzle relevant. So yeah. when they see something, they like, I just need to slow down a bit. I need to take my have a bit of bit of life satisfaction, and they just need to walk my dog a little bit more. And or and, and that and that's linked to their activity. It means that oh wow, I can just do this. I can have little reminders. Um, you know, I need to remind myself to to go into the staff room and have a chat, stop my work for a moment, take time out, slow down a little bit. There's instant buy-in. They, they see the reward by connecting to people. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, it sounds like you had huge um, engagement and interest. Did you have any pushback or people who didn't want to, you know, weren't interested or were skeptical? I think I, I, definitely. I think in any in a project, you can't expect everybody to have complete buy-in. You're developing the understanding, and throughout the process, as there was different levels of understanding, there was a little bit of pushback. When we created the questionnaire and we looked at um, looked at um, the questions that went out, and we looked at the feedback, the first time it went out, there was some interesting comments because people actually wanted the opportunity to tell us what they think. You know what I mean? They want to tell us what needs to change. Um, and we had to explain, and had to, there's a lot of learning involved around there is a place for that, but this is not it. Um, so even in that questionnaire, after filling it out, there were a few people that used it as an opportunity to <laughs> critique and say, and there was a couple of comments. There were, one of the comment was, this is a very one-sided questionnaire, um, which was a really interesting comment because it's like, yes, of course, it's a well a, a one sided because it's about you and how we can help you. You know, so so that took a little while, but it was but we could recognise that and say, okay, we've still got some work to do. Um, and at that point, that's when we started looking at getting an outside facilitator to come in and look at developing the helping others to help themselves. What does it actually look like to help others and help them with their well being and coach them and advise them and help them problem solve when things are getting tough? So there was a little bit. There was also when. When we created, started creating the models, some of the pictures and the, and, and, and the, the character didn't suit. You know, and we had, we had students who were involved in the processes and teachers didn't quite, you know, wanted a little different. You're never going to get 100% cohesion. And it's a recognition, eh, it's just the, 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 the character in the book is just a metaphor. It, can, it doesn't have to be anything particular. It's just the actions and creating actions that are real, that are based on the model. So there's lots of little discussion. And, and when, it, when it came out, there was, I think there would have been, there's still a few people that um, saw little faults, but not a lot, you know. So a lot, of, a lot of allowing and accepting the pushback and the differences and explaining and exploring with people, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to have, you know, when you're doing your pro, uh, a design process, you have to have a little bit of a creative abrasion. You've got to develop your thinking around each of those aspects. And I love, I'm, I'm going to take that away, creative abrasion. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> lovely. Yeah. So, and it's important. Like it's important to be able to articulate um, the, the, the things you um, maybe don't resonate with you and you have to compare them with other models and you've got to compare them but you know the essence of that exploration is you're just making meaning of it and you're just making when you make that meaning it starts to relate to actions and those actions will have massive um, results when it comes to walking into the classroom. So Stephen tell me what do you think you are most proud in in the work that Rado has done on well-being? Um, I think what aspect do I think I'm most, most proud of? I think it's the buzz. It's the staff. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I don't think I'm delusional in thinking that the staff is a nice place to work here and the staff support each other. Um, I can, um, have I got time to read a little clip from our, yes. well, I, mean, I, have, I, I can say that I have got permission to read this little line that I found. Um, and, and that's, um, the, the, the teacher is part of that reflection says, I love working at Raro. It's such a 
warm and welcoming culture whereby people I work with I consider friends. I feel comfortable approaching anybody with my problems and I feel that they offer guidance and advice and they will always be willing to offer time to do this. As the beginning teacher at this school, is something I really value and appreciate. The staff room culture is particularly so warm and positive. It is so easy to approach new groups of people or individuals and have a chat. On a challenging day, this can make all the difference before heading back to class after morning tea or lunch. So, you know, almost brings tears to your eyes. And I think that statement encapsulates what we're absolutely trying to achieve at this school. I'm proud of, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Buzzy, buzzy. Hmm. And for you, um, just a couple of final questions that we always ask people who come on this this, um, program. So what's the one thing that you would like to see parents or teachers doing that you think would make the biggest difference to young people's well-being and resilience? Yeah, I think the main thing is slow down. Um, you know, take time to do the things that are important. Um, and the things, that, you know, just just having the chance to, you know, for us, and it's, it's at home or it's in the community, to smile, to welcome students, um, to show that you're calm, you're relaxed, and things are okay. You know, I think that, can, that has to be a shared effort. Everybody. As, as I said before, a smile goes a long way, a handshake, a high five. Yeah. Um, just just a showing interest and showing that you're a stable influence in their life is super important. And I think that it goes a long, long way. Thank you. And if you could do only one thing for the rest of your life to support your well-being, what would it be? Uh, for my well-being, or for well-being of the community? Go on. Oh. Do both. I think the biggest thing is to encourage everybody to help others to help themselves. You know, I come back to the statement that we use in our professional development, but we can look after our own well-being when we've got a good understanding of it, but we also need to have a, a, a bigger scope for our development. And have, if everybody's helping, them, helping others to help themselves, then that statement just really resonates with me. It's bigger. Now, part, partly that's, the, you know, at the, at the end point now with the little booklet, um, we've had requests from across New Zealand and we're sharing that. And it's just, you know, if we can influence the you know, education landscape through, <laughs> through a picture book or through our model and through the work we've done, then that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's, that's absolutely something to, um, that we can aspire to. And tell me, so what's your personal go-to strategy for boosting your well-being when you feel frustrated or down? Um, in a school environment um, is to get out there, um, see success, see, be amongst positive teachers and students doing authentic things. You know, kids working on um, uh, projects or inquiries that are really loving. Teachers working and being in the environment that are they are absolutely striving and loving what they do. So you've got to sometimes rip yourself out of the office and you're there to work you're doing and just get amongst it. Um, and that's uh, and that. Between that, a bit of music and um, and positive conversations and laughter. Um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I need. Goes a long way, doesn't it? Does absolutely. Oh. Stephen, thank you so much for your time with us today. It's been really lovely to learn a bit more about what the, the really great work that you and the team at Raroa have been doing. So thank you very much for joining us. 
Cool. Thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you for acknowledging the work that we're um, we're doing. It's really, really appreciated. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about what other schools around New Zealand are currently doing on well-being, you can follow us on Facebook. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. If you'd like to learn more, our book, The Educator's Guide to Whole School Wellbeing, is available from nziwr.co.nz from early 2020. You can also listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz, on nziwr.co.nz, and you can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. For more information on how schools, communities and workplaces can grow their wellbeing and resilience, go to nziwr.co.nz.